Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music, transcribed with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and our speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Philip Bliss, the Civil War gospel songwriter who gave us Hold the Fort, also set to music the exclamation of love for Jesus. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Heavenly Father, we seek thy blessing upon this broadcast today. Remember in mercy everyone who listens and give thy grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. Where sin cannot molest Near to the heart of God O Jesus, blessed Redeemer Sent from the heart of God Hold us 
who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Just a few days ago, we turned over another page in the calendar and found a new year waiting for us. Yet it's not too late to make some good resolutions. May we suggest a resolution for 1957 that will help you to get the very most out of life? Our suggestion is that you study your Bible in the light of our free Voice of Prophecy Bible Correspondence Course. As you study these Faith Bible Course lessons in the privacy of your own home or at the place of work, you'll find a faith and a hope and confidence you've never known before. Why not send for these lessons today? Here's how you do it. You write us a letter of request to the Voice of Prophecy. When you complete these first lessons, send them in for grading, and the next lessons will be sent to you. Remember, the entire course is free. 
Address your letter of request today to the Voice of Prophecy. We know that once you get started, you'll find each lesson more interesting than the last. So write, requesting the Bible course and mail your letter, being sure to include your name and address, to the Voice of Prophecy. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you this week. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. His subject, What Jesus Said About the Holy Spirit. Beside the speaker's desk in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., sits a man who knows parliamentary law thoroughly. Sometimes a speaker may not know just the proper procedure in some parliamentary tangle, but this expert knows without looking at his books and quietly whispers to the speaker the proper answer. When our Savior was about to leave this world, he said to his disciples, I will send you another comforter. This word comforter comes from two Greek words meaning the one called to stand by, like the man at the speaker's side, ready to help in times of emergency and perplexity. This one came on the day of Pentecost to stand by and give counsel 
to every Christian. I will pray the Father, Jesus said, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. John 14:16. The Holy Spirit comes as a gift from the Father. In John 16:7, we read the words of Jesus. It is expedient, it's good for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. While our Savior was with his disciples, he was their Comforter, their guide, and their helper. Now he promises another Comforter. Jesus also was the great teacher. He taught his disciples when he was with them. But the Holy Spirit also is a teacher, John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and by the way, that word ghost is just the old English word for spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. It is when the word of God is understood by the teaching of the Spirit that we fully understand it, and only then. Since the Holy Scriptures are really written by the Holy Spirit, for we read in 2 Peter 1.21, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit alone can fully explain them. Holy Spirit is the author. Now the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. He glorifies Jesus. John 15.26, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, he will testify of me, Jesus said. John fifteen twenty six. When our Savior returned to heaven, his presence through the Holy Spirit was still with his disciples on earth. Of the coming of the Spirit, he said, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. John fourteen seventeen. So you see, friends, Christ is present by the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. The real presence of the Holy Spirit is with every believing disciple. Notice now three things that Jesus said about the coming of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Reading now from John 16, 8 to 14. And when he has come, he will reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he will guide you into all truth. And thirdly, he shall glorify me. Those are three very important things, too. One of the first proofs that the Holy Spirit is dealing with any man is the deep conviction that he's a sinner. When one rejects Jesus as the Savior, the Holy Spirit convicts his heart of sin. God has provided only one means of salvation, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as we read in Acts 4.12. True conviction of sin and the knowledge of our need of a Savior come from the Holy Spirit. Pastor J. Floyd Jones says that when he was pastor of a certain church, he felt he had made a complete failure. Something was wrong. He was a young man. He was working hard, and especially for young people. In that community, there was a great challenge to Christian faith. A man who had more influence than any other man in the country well-educated, beloved by everybody. If someone's house burned, he was right there to help rebuild it. He even gave to the church, but he was not a member, not even a Christian. Since he didn't attend church, his example was a great barrier 
to the young minister's influence on other young people. One night, Pastor Jones lay awake for hours. He just prayed and prayed about this. He seemed to hear a voice say, Why don't you strike at the very source of your trouble? Prepare a sermon especially for this man and get him out to hear you. So he worked for days on the sermon, finally drove by this man's home and told him that his next service, he would preach a sermon prepared especially for him and invited him to come. In a very friendly way, the man said it would be impossible for him to attend that morning, but he would be at the evening meeting. So the minister spoke on something else in the morning, kept his special sermon for the evening. But at nightfall, a snowstorm came up. Very few attended the church, and the man for whom the sermon was prepared wasn't there. Well, the preacher was completely disheartened. It just seemed he would never have an opportunity to reach that man. So he preached a, sor a short sermon on something else and went home. As he sat there by the fire, praying and meditating, it just seemed a voice in his heart directed him to go to the man and preach the sermon to the man alone, just as Jesus did to Nicodemus. For he realized that he was dressed and driving to the man's house. It was one o'clock on a cold winter morning. And there the snowstorm was raging down, but he just felt that God was leading him. When he came within sight of the house, he saw a light, and he stepped upon the porch. Suddenly the door opened as the man had been waiting for him. With a sob, he said, Thank God. He has sent you to show me the way to find him. I've been reading my Bible all night, but it's all dark to me. Your special invitation this morning got me to thinking, and I want to find God. In a few moments, he did find him. The conviction of the Holy Spirit on both the pastor and the sinner drew them together to the salvation of a soul. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict of sin, but of righteousness, the very righteousness of Christ. When Jesus was here on earth, he pointed the way to the perfect righteousness which is required of us all if we enter God's kingdom. Since the Savior went back to heaven, this has been the work of the Holy Spirit. He points men to the righteousness of Christ, both imputed and imparted, as the only hope of salvation. Read it for yourself in Romans 10th chapter. And the Holy Spirit in the heart leads to obedience. A famous authority on literature in a great English university once made a special analysis of Tennyson's poems. He made a tabulation of the various forms of poetic composition which he found. When this was shown to Lord Tennyson, he said, You're exactly right. I was true and obedient to every specific regulation here outlined, but I didn't know that I was doing it. So true obedience, revealing the very righteousness of Christ, is the fruitage of the Spirit-filled life. If we are led by the Spirit, we're not under the condemnation of the law, and we do by nature the things contained in the law of God. His holy righteousness, lived out in the life of Jesus, is ours. The Holy Spirit convicts of judgment. Jesus warned men of judgment to come. You'll find that in Matthew, the fifth chapter. The Holy Spirit warns men of the danger of rejecting the salvation offered in Jesus. On the cross, God's divine character was vindicated in our Savior, who declared, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Reading John 12:31. There, before angels and men, Satan was revealed for what he is, a murderer and a liar. That great act of judgment upon Satan forever settled the sin question for the universe. Jesus said, The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. 
He will show you things to come. Jesus said he shall glorify me. Jesus Christ himself was the way, the truth, and the life. So when the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and shows them to us, he's showing us the truth. The Holy Spirit always convicts the heart in harmony with the Word of God, for the Holy Spirit is the actual author of the Scriptures. Before the day of Pentecost, the disciples were full of fear and unbelief. But after the Holy Spirit had come upon them, in fulfillment of the promise of Jesus, they were fearless witnesses to his resurrection. Nobody could frighten them. They preached the gospel to all the world in one generation, and many of them gave their lives as martyrs to the faith which they held. They had no doubts at all. They went forth filled with heavenly power. For Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Luke 24:49. Friends, think of the invincible power that the church of God would have today. If all Christian believers everywhere were endued with that same power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit is the provision for the presence of Christ in his disciples, as we read in John 17:26, And the presence of the indwelling Christ through his Spirit is essential for every one of us as Christians if we're going to live real Christian lives in this world today. Without me, Jesus said, ye can do nothing. You'll read that in John 15, 5. That's the reason why so many of us are powerless in our lives, why our witness is ineffective, and why more people do not follow the Lord. Right in our own homes, sometimes we have little influence for Christ because the Holy Spirit is not really in our lives. The Holy Spirit is really the continued life of Jesus. The Lord is that Spirit, said the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Oh, friends, there's a terrible spiritual drought in the hearts of millions today. Yes, even millions of Christians. To all those who are thirsty for the water of life, Jesus says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his heart, shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit. Those words are in John, the seventh chapter, verse 37 and onward. All earthly springs and fountains fail to satisfy our human hearts. God created us in his own image, and a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst can never, never be assuaged by the merely material things of this world. Man will never be satisfied with anything but the water of life. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, Jesus said, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Those wonderful words of promise are in John the fourth chapter, verse 14. Jesus said them to the woman at the well of Samaria. And they're true today, too. Mendelssohn, the great musician, once visited a cathedral containing one of the most priceless organs on the continent of Europe. He listened to the old organist and then asked if he might play. 
The organist didn't know him, never seen him before. He said, uh, it's not our custom to let strangers play on this organ. At last, the great musician persuaded him to let him play just a little. As he played, the great cathedral was filled with such music as the old organist had never heard before in all his life. With tears streaming down his face, he came over and put his hand on Mendelssohn's shoulder and said, Who are you? The answer was Mendelssohn. Dumbfounded, the organist said. And to think that such an old fool as I came nearly forbidding Mendelssohn to play upon my organ. Friends, think what the Holy Spirit can do. What harmonies upon our lives should he have possession of us and work through us to the blessing of the world? Bible is still the world's best seller, but the question is, is it read? A recent survey showed that 34% of the people read the Bible at least once a week, 28% practically never read it, and only 12% read it every day. And in thousands of homes, the Bible lies unopened, gathering dust. Yet, in its continuous reading lies our personal strength. The Voice of Prophecy's free Bible course was prepared to help acquaint people everywhere with the Bible. The Faith Bible course each week enrolls thousands as more and more people turn to it for guidance and for a systematic plan for studying the Bible. One of the reasons for its continued popularity is that this 40-lesson Bible course is practical, filling the needs of men and women everywhere. People in all walks of life have enrolled and have graduated from our Faith Bible Course. If you have not yet enrolled, we invite you to do so now. Just write a letter today to The Voice of Prophecy, Box 55, Los Angeles, California. Ask to be enrolled in our free Bible Correspondence Course. The first lessons will be sent to you promptly, and you can proceed with them at your own pace. All you need is your Bible and a pen or a pencil. 
Upon completion of the course, you'll receive a beautiful diploma that you'll be proud to own. Let us give you that address again. It's the Voice of Prophecy, Box 55, Los Angeles, California. Write today. This is Orville Iverson, Associate Minister of the Voice of Prophecy. Until next week, let us look up and go forward in faith. Have faith in God, the Holy Spirit guides. Have faith in God, His presence still abides. Have faith in God, whatever else betides. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope you've enjoyed this transcribed program of ours. Be with us next week for another broadcast brought to you by the voice of prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.